This is my comeback story. This is my comeback story. This is Trey Lewis with Good Landing Recovery, and you're listening to The Comeback. Hey guys, welcome back. This is Trey Lewis here on The Comeback. I am here with my friend Andrew Green. Uh, some of you guys might be familiar with his ministry. Um, I met Andrew um, several years ago on a call whenever we were talking about ministry and uh, compliance, and he had one of the most profound testimonies of just authentic calls into ministry, and he's got a remarkable story. Andrew, I can't tell you what a privilege it is to have you on the show today. Man, it's an honor. It's a privilege for me, man. I'm just, I'm super blessed that we have reconnected this way. This is great. Yeah, man. I'm excited, dude. Your your ministry has just, it's impacted my family personally, and um, it's a big deal. So um, a lot of people who are going to be listening to this are on the front end of of coming out of addiction. I mean, they know the the hell of active addiction. And man, if you just just want to share with us your story, anything that the Lord has put on your heart. You know, just a couple of minutes ago, we were talking about the direction that the Holy Spirit would go. And I told you, I said, I feel confident that, you know, God will take you the direction that he wants to. And I mean, immediately as you started speaking, I could just feel the Holy Spirit just uh, just like a blanket. And so, you know, first, I'd like to just say those that are just, you know, have been battling addiction. Um, are coming out of addiction or, and are on that journey. I can't tell you enough how one of the things I would like to recommend just right off the rip is don't refer to yourself as an addict. The devil loves that. He wants to keep you labeled. He wants you to be an alcoholic. He wants you to be a drug addict. One of the things that I learned when I came out of addiction and I came out of that, that whole lifestyle for the longest time, I referred to myself as a recovering alcoholic or a recovering addict. And for me personally, uh, when the Holy Spirit really illuminated to me that I was referring to myself as the old me. So I had already, you know, subconsciously accepted the fact that I was always going to be an addict. I was always going to be an alcoholic. I was always going to be a broken mess. And so, I, you know, subconsciously, I was constantly just, you know, reestablishing that with inside, you know, my, my own language and speaking that over myself. Constantly, I'm an addict. I'm an alcoholic. No, I'm not. The moment that I met Jesus Christ, man, the Bible says all things passed away, all things made new. When I accepted the fact that I was brand new, according to Jesus Christ, according to the blood of Jesus Christ, I had been made brand new. Yes, I'm on a process. Yes, I'm on a journey to get better and better and better. But the Bible says, that the finest gold is refined by fire, but it refers to the gold as gold. And so once you understand that you are brand new, say, you know what? I'm getting better. I'm getting stronger. I'm learning more, but I am no longer the old me. And by faith, in faith, speaking over your life and saying, I'm not an alcoholic anymore. I'm not an addict anymore. I'm a blood-bought child of the Most High God. I've got royal blood rolling through my veins. There's healing power in everything that I say. The Bible says that the power of life and death is in our tongue. What we say, we have. And so I would say and speak over everyone that might hear this or see this in some capacity that you are no longer a drug addict in Jesus' name. You are no longer an alcoholic in Jesus' name. You are not a broken mess in Jesus' name. The power of God is in you. 
It is on you. And this is just a stepping stone and you're going to get greater. You're going to get better. And truly, as a lot of ministers say, you hear them say, you know, your best days are ahead. It's fact. It is a fact. And so, you know, I just, I would love to encourage, you know, everybody that is on the journey that I've taken and, that, you know, you've taken and uh, just to speak life, just to speak life. And, you know, I rem I'm reminded right now of how as God was delivering Lot and his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah, that was a broken mess, bro. That was a broken, terrible mess. But, you know, God spoke to them and told them, said, don't look back. And I think all the times that I, that I relapsed, all the times that I messed up or I found myself off track, I was looking back. Wow. And for what? For what? And so I want to encourage you too. don't look back. There's nothing back there. You've already done this. You've already been through this. You know the hell it's been. Don't look back. It'll stick you every single time. Just keep your, your eyes focused forward. Keep your faith pressing forward. You know, I'm not big on uh, gambling, right? <laughs> but I like to watch horse races, man. And one of the cool things about it, if you look at those horses, a lot of them, they have those blinders on. And the reason for that, they can't look to the left and they can't look to the right because, you know, that jockey knows that he does not need his horse distracted. He wants that horse looking straight ahead. That's good. If you ever see a horse look left or right, he's not the winning horse. I can promise you that. So in order for us to really truly cross the finish line and get to where God wants us to be, we have to stay moving forward. We have got to look forward. It takes discipline. It takes time. But that's the beauty of having a relationship with Christ because the Bible says with God, all things are possible. So we feel like, man, I want to look left. Man, I want to look right. Oh, my God. I just want to look back and see what my friends are doing, you know. The power of God and the Holy Spirit says, nah, just look forward. You know, the flesh is weak, but the Spirit of God is willing. And if you'll just stay focused on the Spirit of God and what God tells us, and that's just to stay in faith. He says, you know, when you've done all that you know to do, stand. I love that, man, because there's been times where I've been so tired coming out of addiction, coming out of that club lifestyle, uh, you know, I, unlike a lot of people, I experienced a different kind of addiction, I think. I I, I started out just uh, fighting on the weekends, you know, doing this underground MMA stuff that I was involved in. And it was about – it wasn't just about getting high to me. It wasn't just about getting drunk to me. Uh, it was the lifestyle. It was the glam and the, the girls and the cars and all this stuff. So – as I began to progressively come out of that lifestyle, it, there was times it wasn't even the, the dope that made me want to look back. It was the girl. It was the car. It was the, the beat in the club. You know, it was all this stuff. And so I remember being so weak at times on like a Saturday night, especially because I used to fight and be in that club scene, especially on Saturday nights. And that's when the club was the thickest. And so I remember on Saturday night sitting around and thinking, man, I ain't got nothing to do. You know, I had like two Christian friends that were seasoned. And so they were doing ministry. And there I was, you know, I had nothing to do. And so I'm thinking, man, I want to go to the club. Man, I want to see this girl, you know, just whatever. And I remember, honest to God, man, I remember this. It's overwhelming, really. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember thinking, feeling weak. 
and just so exhausted. And I was like seconds from just getting in the car, just going to the place that I'd always went. And I literally stood on that when God said, when you've done all you know to do, just stand. I mean, bro, I didn't have the strength. I wanted to go kick it. I wanted to go have fun, not necessarily get high. I was tired of getting high. I was tired of how I felt. But I had programmed myself to be in a crowd. I had programmed myself to be interactive with people. And that's all I knew. So I remember telling God, I was like, God, you got to do something. I've done all I know to do. I have nobody to talk to. You know, the Christian friends that I do have, they're busy, you know. So, God, I I need you to help. And I remember, man, just that literally that, that little conversation that I had with God, it did it. And, you know, I think about what the Bible says. He said, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Man, God rescued me over and over and over again. That wasn't the only Saturday night that I wanted to bolt and go do something crazy. Right. You know, I mean, it might be on a Tuesday and I'm just bored you know, like, because it's a, it's a lifestyle change. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. It's not just about not getting high. It's about breaking away from old friends that have it. You know, we're creatures of habit. And so I had to continually go to God and say, Lord, help me through this minute. Help me through this second. You know, sometimes it was like 10 second intervals because my mind was working against me. And I've learned now, you know, years later that the battleground is in the mind. The enemy attacks the mind because see, Satan has no control over your body. He has no control over anything. Right. So without your permission, there's really nothing he can do to you except for attack your mind or try to distract you through temptations and influence. So once you get away from the temptation and you get away from the influence, it attacks your mind with those thoughts. And the Bible says, take every thought captive, casting down every vain imagination. And I remember saying, God, oh my Lord, take this thought from me. You know, I don't want to think about the club and I don't want to think about this. But I look back now and that's why I have such a strong relationship with God now. Because I know he's king of kings and lord of lords, and I don't want to, you know, belittle his status, but he's my best friend, man. You know, like I know now that I talked to him when my Christian friends were busy and there was nothing for me to do, and I was I was scared, you know. So, uh, you know, I just feel like when you're coming through that, you're coming through addiction, you're coming through that process, that the enemy just hits us so hard from every single angle. And I remember thinking, well, it's 10 days, it's 20 days, it's 30 days, it's 40 days. I've been clean 90 days. I hadn't been to the club in, you know, a hundred days. And that was cool. And those were goals, but man, nothing like sitting back on the couch and going, I hadn't thought about the club today. Wow. It's not important to me anymore. Mm-hmm. What is important to me is getting up at five o'clock in the morning. This, this was a game changer for me, man. I'm not a morning person. But I remember getting up at uh, 5 o'clock in the morning to walk out in the back pasture behind my parents' house. And I was staying with them through this process just so I could see the birds wake up and how beautiful that was, man. I remember those there was birds that would just come sit in this tree, and I used to sit, and they would start singing. And the sun would rise up over this hill in the back, and I remember the sun on my face, and I just I could feel the presence of God in it. I'd never experienced that before. And as I begin to experience what the goodness of God really is and all the blessings that the enemy had robbed me of, it's a game changer, man. So I just feel like, man, that, you know, anybody that would be going through this process, and I know there's, 
countless people. I meet them every day. I want to encourage you. Stay focused. I know it's, it's, it's easier said than done if you're doing it in your own strength. Yeah. Can't do it in your own strength. And I came to terms with the fact that I wasn't strong enough. I had to admit it. I'm not strong enough. If I hang out with Tommy, I'm going to get high. <laughs> right? I'm yes. going to do it. If I go to the club, I'm going to be geeked at 3.30 in the morning. Yep. You know, so I had to come to terms with the fact that I could not do this on my own. And I needed to, I had to come to terms with the fact that, I hate to say it like this, a lot of people, you know, they beat me up over this, but, you know, it took more than just the rehab. It took more. It was the spiritual process. Because let me tell you something, man. In my opinion, the secular rehab didn't work. It was the anointed spirit of God on the process and the believers that were praying for me and pressing in for me and really loved me and cared for me. Yeah. That, that's what changed the game. That's good, man. That's so good. Um, you know, when I think about people that are coming out of that lifestyle, especially when I even think about my own life, I feel like a lot of people, man, that that even though they're they're miserable getting high, that 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 season they realize like that season of fun is over. But they think about coming into the church and it's this life sentence of boredom and wearing goofy khaki pants, you know, going and you know, you know, sitting around some coffee pot talking about superficial stuff, like like <laughs> it, it, speak to that, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, see, man, I'm a, I'm a go getter by nature. Yeah. Right. God just, it's in my DNA. Like I want to do stuff, you know, like, you know, we're right in the middle of a pandemic and we're under quarantine, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm ripping and running. I'm, I'm trying to find anything I can do to get into. So, I mean, and I, and what I have found is man, most people that suffer from addiction, they're go getters. Yeah. A lot of them, they just want to do stuff. They want to be interactive. They're, you know, they're social butterflies. And so one of the things that, <laughs> in my experience at the church, miserably failed at was, you know, we love you. We care about you. We want to hug you. I don't want to hug. You know, I want to do something. <laughs> and so when you said, when you said sitting around a coffee pot, man, I remember that. I mean, like, literally, I remember sitting in a circle. I hate circles. <laughs> I hate circles. Man, sitting in a circle, and I'm, you know, it's like, you know, uh, you know, if you could just tell us about yourself, I don't tell nobody about me. I don't hear about y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I, I know that sounds bad, man, but it's true. You know, we it really is a cultural, like a culture shock. You know, I don't, I don't know a better way to explain it, but it, golly, man, you I mean you nailed it. Like, I mean, it really is like, and then going into church. You're sitting there and you're told to be quiet. And for me, let me say this. The thing that, that, that messed me up the most with the addiction and stuff that I dealt with was the after effects. Man, I had terrible panic attacks. Yeah. I had anxiety. Dude, I mean, I'm telling you, I'll, there was days that I didn't sleep. You know, severe panic attacks. Just be sitting here, you know, talking to you, you know, like ain't nothing happening. Next thing you know, I can't breathe and my arms are tingling. I don't want to sit in church. I'm freaking out. You know what I mean? Like I'm in, in it's it, so 
I, man, I can't, I can't even, I, I, my heart literally breaks and crushes for those folks, man, that are going through this, but man, I, I know it don't do a whole lot, but I would just want them to know, man, that, you know, this, this guy, you know, preacher or not, this guy sitting in Nashville, Tennessee, honest to God loves them. I don't have to know them. I love them and I do pray for them. I, I whether I see their face or not, I pray for them and I lift them up and I pray that God just continues to move on them. And I, I want you to know that if you're listening to this right now, you need to understand that there is at least one man, me, my family, that is praying for you and lifting you up and pleading the blood of Jesus over your life. And may you may not understand that right now, but that's okay. God understands and he hears our prayers. And, you know, I remember being in, in situations and thinking, man, prayer's not working. I rem- Matter of fact, I'll tell you a real quick micro story. Yeah. I've seen a girl. I get tens of thousands of messages every week. Girl messaged me yesterday. She said, this is the one time in my life that I wish God would just answer my prayer. I need to hear from him. Something's got to change. I'm, I'm, I'm going to die if this don't change. It hit me like a brick, man, because, you know, we want to hear God's voice. Wouldn't that be easier if God just said, Andrew, put down the dope and follow me? Man, all of us would follow him if we had an experience like that. But the fact is, nine times out of ten, he don't speak like that. You know, he speaks through people like you that has the program that you have. It really has a heart and a passion for, for Jesus and people that are broken. And so when you're coming out of, you know, that social butterfly atmosphere and you're getting high, it's real hard to, to wrap your head around people caring. Yeah. It's real hard, you know. And so I just would love people to know and, and understand that there really are people that really care and don't have an agenda. You know, for me, when I was coming out of that, man, you know, everybody was uh, – I'm not real graceful for the way I talk, but I'll just tell you like this. Everybody was screwing everybody. Everybody was conning everybody. Everybody was lying to everybody. Everybody was robbing everybody. Everybody was cheating everybody. So when you come out of that, and now you're just supposed to trust everybody. And it's like, no, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, you, you want my money? You want my time? You know, what do you want from me? You yeah. know? And so it's real hard to, you know, for – it was for me to trust people, man, because I didn't even have a trust – I didn't trust myself. So – you know, I just I just plead the blood of Jesus over every listener that would say, you know, I don't know who to trust and I don't know who to to let me tell you something. God, I believe in divine connections. Man, I'm a strong believer in divine connections. I mean, you and I, I believe is a divine connection. And I, I pray that God would just highlight to every listener where that divine connection is and begin to navigate them into the places that will really help them navigate them into the relationships that really are authentic and care. And God will show you who is authentic and who is real. And one of the easy ways is to see who's standing at the end of this thing. You know what I mean? Because, <laughs> you know, that'll, that'll let you know real quick who's in your corner. Yeah. That's so good, man. Um, I- anything else? Just, I mean, people coming out of this. I mean, I don't know if you want to speak to the parents, like the loved one of, of somebody and, um, you know, just any kind of, you know, wisdom that you could pass on to them. You know, I did a video, I do a lot of videos and I, I did a video a few years back for parents. Actually, the Lord spoke to me and told me to do a video for parents. 
And so, uh, God, I got chills all over my whole back, man. You said, you said parents and me like a brute. Uh, gosh, yes. So if you're a parent and you're listening to this, oh man, I just want to speak to you and tell you this. You may, you may even have have made some mistakes. You, you, I don't care, uh, how great of a parent we think we are. We are not perfect. We are flawed. And so I want to boldly with confidence tell you what the Lord tell, told me to tell parents just a few years ago. It is not your fault. It is not your fault. You may have made some mistakes. You may have contributed to the fact. It's not your fault. And God is bigger than your mistakes. God hears your cries. And it is, I want to say this because the Bible says this, it is the promise of God that he gives you your children. Don't give up. Don't quit praying. Stand on the promises of God. It's not your fault. God is going to use their situation, their brokenness to help polish you out and bring you to a better place. When this is all said and done, you're going to be a better parent, a stronger parent, a more faith-filled, fired-up person for God. When you come out of this, you see everything that God has done. And I want to speak to you right now and tell you this. God is going to bring your child out of this. I believe this with my whole heart. I believe this with my whole heart. You're talking, you're hearing a pastor right now that I have buried my best friends. I have preached their funerals and spoken to their mothers because of addiction. And I'm going to tell you right now, the Lord spoke to me in East Tennessee and told me that he was bringing the prodigals home. God gave me a vision. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to believe it. I'm telling you the truth. I have nothing to, to lie to you about. God showed me a vision of guys with gold teeth in their mouth, tattoos on their neck, girls with scars and track marks up their arms in the corners of their eyes. Listen, God is bringing these children back. I want to encourage you right now to praise God in the storm in advance and start walking by faith, speaking by faith, and declaring victory over your children. You have authority over your children as a parent. And I'm telling you right now, God is not done with them. He's not done with you. And he is refining you and he's refining them. But continue to believe God for the victory. And listen, the devil's going to lie to you. He's going to whisper in your ear. And I will tell you what I tell the devil every time he speaks to me. Shut up. It's as simple as that. I don't have no time for you. You ain't done nothing but lie to me, cheat me, steal from me. You've never done anything positive in my life. Why in the world would I listen to anything from you? So shut up and go back to hell from where you came from. So parents, listen, get excited. Start praising God and start envisioning your children clean in the way God intended them to be. Because God says that he would do exceedingly abundantly over anything that we could think, ask, or imagine. So the best version of your child is a raindrop to a river to what God's going to do in them. So it's not your fault. Hold your head up and know that God is going to bring the victory in this, man. I know it. I know it. Bro, that's a word, man. That's so good. Um, I'm just going to just, just, just pull one more thing out of you, man. I know you've got an unbelievably busy schedule and impacting tons of people, but you know, I think a lot of people, whether it be the parents or whether it be the, the, the people who are coming out of addiction, they feel like they're second-class citizens. 
you know, that anything that God really had for them, it's lost. And like, yeah, maybe they can stay clean, but they're just going to be this, this second class version of a human being. Yeah. So the Bible says faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. The devil wants you hopeless and he wants to tell you that you're dirty. I remember feeling dirty. I remember going into church feeling dirty. I mean, when I take my shirt off, I look like a convict. I've got tattoos everywhere, right? So I remember going to places and thinking, man, I'm this, I'm that. But, man, I was watching a gold show one night where they're, they're mining gold, right? And they brought this hunk of rock out of this mine. And I was like, and he was like, oh, yeah. Oh, man, we found it. And I'm like, what is that? It's a big old hunk of nasty rock. I'm like, where's the gold, man? Like, I want to see the gold. And the dude was like, we're going to crush this. We're going to run it through this machine. It's going to crush it up and it's going to go through the refining process. And at the end they had this pan and it was full of gold. And then they put it in this uh, like fire kiln thing. And then they literally poured it out and, and they, they, they brought it out. And the finished product was a gold bar, but it was covered in this black nasty soot. And he takes a hammer and he hits it and it all falls off. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, that's you. And I was like, I got chills now, man. He said, that's you. You've been through this process, but you have to understand, Andrew, trust me. When I'm done with you, you will be the finest gold. Uh And so I want to encourage you and let you know right now, you're not second class. No child of God is second class. The Bible says that you were beautifully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And I'm telling you right now, no matter what the devil tells you, when you come out of this, you're going to look at yourself and you're going to be surprised. I look in the mirror now and I'm like, hey, that's so bad, you know? <laughs> there was a time, man, I looked in the mirror and I, you know, I weigh about 215 pounds now. I eat a lot of cornbread. But let me tell you this. There was a time I looked in the mirror and I was about 115, 116 pounds, man. I looked terrible. I looked terrible. But God introduced me to a dentist. <laughs> real talk, real talk, divine connections, introduced me to a dentist, uh, got me eating good. The anxiety, I mean, even being delivered from anxiety. And I know it's another conversation, wow. but God delivered me, man, from the worst anxiety. I mean, I'm talking 10 different kinds of medication. I take no medication now whatsoever. It, it's amazing, man. I'm telling you, God is good and he's not done with us yet. I'm still a work in progress. Wow. That's incredible, man. I mean, I, there's there's so much to just to ask, you know. And I mean, I, I look at the the ministry platform that you have, and you were talking earlier. I mean, tens of thousands of messages impacting people. I mean, I remember when we first, you know, connected, and and then whenever I found you on Facebook, and I'm seeing friends of mine out in California that are connected with you, and and God's using you obviously in a profound way. What, um, you know, a lot of people think that, man, they've got to have all the initials, you know, out besides their name, the PhDs and all that kind of stuff, man. I mean, just. You know what I did uh, when the Lord called me really into ministry and I really accepted that calling? The first thing I thought I needed to do was go get all the credentials. And so I went on this journey getting all the credentials and getting all the ordinations and stuff. <clears throat> well, fast forward to now. Seven sets of credentials. Two years ago, no, almost three years ago, the Lord said, go throw them away. Mm. It's a true story. He said, go throw them away. And I was like, 
What? He said, throw them away. I threw them away and the Lord spoke to me just like I'm speaking to you, man. He said, all you need is me. You don't need anybody else's approval. And let me tell you this. God has sent me into places that those credentials could never work. They would never work. He took the denominational platform off me, all the religion off me. God, God allows me to speak to the homeless. He allows me to speak to people in prison and in jail. He allows me to speak to people in the white collar. I even spoke to when Obama was president, I spoke to them at the white house. Are you kidding me? Like I, I'm telling you, like I, I have, God has brought me before uh, public officials, governors, uh, even congressmen and congresswomen sent them to me. It, I, I don't say that to brag. I say that to, to concrete anybody out there, let them know that, man, what God will do with you, he don't need anybody's help. He'll do it all by himself. And so we reach millions of people, uh, but it's all because of the glory of God. It's all because of the Holy Spirit. Wow. That's huge, man. Man, there's so much more. I mean, your, your call into ministry. I mean, I don't know if we come back and do a part two or if you come down here and preach. Um, you know, how, if there any, any final thoughts that you've got just for people listening? Um, and then also, where, where can they find you and connect with your ministry? Uh, yeah, I feel like the Lord's telling me to say this. Uh, for those that might think that they're second class, <laughs> you have no idea what God's about to do with you. The Lord spoke to me in East Tennessee. I'll never forget that. And he told me to tell pastors that I knew to watch the prodigals take their pulpits from them. God is going to use these prodigals like never before. He's taking you from where you felt was at the back and he's going to put you in the front. Get ready because there is a harvest coming and there's an awakening coming. There is a revival coming. And it's not going to come out of the church. Call it prophecy. Call it whatever you want. But I know what God said. It will not look like organized religion. It's going to come out of the gutter. The greatest movement this world has ever known is going to come out of the gutter. Wow. And God is going to do a mighty work. And I, I'm excited, man, because I'm telling you, it's going to shake the foundation of this planet. And so as far as connecting with me, it's super easy. Andrew Green, it's my name. You can go to Facebook, type in Andrew Green. You'll find either my personal page or uh, my ministry page there. You can see the videos and the sermons that I do. You can go to my website, andrewgreenministries.com. We pray for, I mean, hundreds of people every day, thousands of people every week. And so uh, God's uh, really moved on me to do what's called an abundant life service. And uh, I'm just waiting for God to reveal to me where that place is. The Lord has showed me this. And so we're going to be having an organized gathering called an abundant life service. And the Lord spoke to me and there's going to be healing. There's going to be deliverance and there's going to be salvation. And I'm telling you, I, I'm, ex- man, I, I'm fit to be tied. I feel like a pit bull on a chain, but I believe God's going to show me where this is. And I believe it's in the middle of a big city. I don't know exactly where, but it's right in the middle of a big city and God's going to do it. And I'm excited about it. So let's get ready, man. Let's do it, man. Hopefully it's the ATL. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, this has been incredible. I can't even tell you what a privilege it is to to have you and just to be able to spend some time face to face through through Zoom. And um, yeah, it's just uh, one of the most legit people I know. Um, you guys make sure that you connect with him. Um, he will go live on Facebook multiple times throughout the day, and um, nothing pretentious about it. I mean, it's just you can understand it, you can digest it, you can apply it. You can, it's truth that you can lay hold of that will transform your life. 
And uh, Andrew, I'm grateful for you, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, man. Awesome, man. Guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. It is a privilege and an honor to be able to serve you. If you or someone in your family is struggling with addiction, please give us a call. It's 770-570-7422.